Welcome to the EMDR Chat with Kurt and Michelle. I'm Dr. Curtis Roundson. And I am Dr. Michelle Gottlieb. When we, when Kurt and I decided to do these podcasts, one of the reasons we were doing it were there was a lot of questions that people had about EMDR therapy and as a, as a clinician and, and what do we do and how do we handle things and what do things mean? And so one of the questions that we get asked all the time is about certification. So we want to spend today's podcast explaining what certification is and what certification is not. So let's start with first, the first step in the journey of being an EMDR clinician first is getting trained to do that basic EMDRIA approved training. That is the 20 hours of didactic, 20 hours of practicum, 10 hours of consultation. And or, this like is ours. where I, being the historian of the group, yes. <laughs> has to throw in my two cents. Please, please. as you know, Michelle, uh, you and I have been trained for a very long time, and uh, we have seen so many changes and evolutions in EMDR training and EMDR therapy itself. And a lot of the newly trained clinicians have little or no history of understanding of where it began is today and where it came from. And so just, just a little color commentary that in the very beginning when Francine was doing all the trainings herself, uh, she had started off with a one weekend workshop and then became a two weekend workshop. And she was the only one doing EMDR trainings. And then early on in the early 1990s, she realized it was important to develop an uh, independent organization to be responsible for standards of EMDR training apart from herself and her own for-profit training organization called the EMDR Institute, which was the very first one. And so that's where the evolution of the trainings began. As Francine developed things and the theories began to grow and more research was done, what we know as EMDR therapy today was like a baby and it began to grow into its adolescence and now into its young adulthood. And so the EMDR International Association is is formed, and the very first thing it did was to develop standards of what made a basic training, what we in those days thought was a competent beginner's level of training. You know, Michelle, I always talk to my graduate students that they work really hard to get their master's and doctoral program, <laughs> and they're finished, and they go through all the tests, and they've done everything, and they, they, they have the anxiety and all the test preparations, and they finally receive that piece of paper. And if they look really closely on most of those pieces of paper, there's a little line that says that I'll say Curtis Roundson has met the minimal requirements. <laughs> and uh, ba right? basic training is that little piece of paper. It's saying you met the minimal requirements for basic training in EMDR therapy standardized and approved by the EMDR National Association, which you and I both know, I think, are very important parts of any training program. So right. that's a little background. I'll just start there. And so like what I tell my students, now that you've finished, now your education can just begin because there's so much more. And that's what EMDRIA did is, okay, now you've met the minimal requirements, but EMDR therapy is so complex, just those minimal requirements doesn't make you totally competent. So that's where certification came in. So per EMDRIA's requirements, in order to become certified, again, completed your basic training, done the 10 hours of consultation that's included in basic, right? That's finished. Now, post-basic training, now you need to do 
20 additional hours of consultation. Of those 20 hours, 10 of which must be individual with an EMDRIA-approved consultant, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute, um, you need to see 25 different clients, have at least 50 clinical hours, and have uh, completed at least 12 EMDRIA-approved CEs. Now, I use the term EMDRIA-approved consultant. What does that mean? So this is the person who helps you go through your certification process. And to become an EMDRIA-approved consultant is the step after becoming certified. Um, so you become certified, you become trained, certified, a consultant in training, a CIT, and then a consultant. To become a con- an approved consultant, you do additional hours. You do consultation of consultation. You learn how to be a good consultant. And again, we go through all that process. Andrea has gives us a certificate, and then we get to work with people to become certified. I look at the uh, certification uh, and the approved consultant status. You know, years ago when I was uh, doing a lot of marriage family training, uh, I went through and became an approved supervisor for the American Association of Marriage Family Therapists and a certified supervisor for California Association Marriage Family Therapy. And basically, in those schools of thought, what you do is get a seasoned supervisor that actually sits with you who are supervising others and gives you feedback on the quality of your own supervision to another person. That's what an approved consultant does. This is more of a seasoned EMDR therapist. And that person is listening to you talk about the advice you gave to another clinician on their use of EMDR therapy. And hopefully from their seasoned and larger experience are able to guide you to become the best uh, consultant that you can become. That's what a CIT is. And we work with a lot of people that, of course, are trying to be certified. And you heard Kurt say that whether as a CIT, learning to be a consultant, or in the process of certification, that we need to see your work. And that is another part that Andrea has, is the consultant that you work with is going to either need to see a videotape or hear an audio tape or do role plays with you. So don't be surprised when your consultant says, I need a videotape. That's pretty standard. Now, Kurt, a question that comes up often is what is the difference, though, between... Because I have people all the time saying, so will you supervise me? I'm like, oh, no, 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 I will not supervise you. I will consult with you, but I will not supervise. What's the difference between certification and supervision? Well, it it often comes down to a legal uh, issue. A supervisor, let's talk about the state of California. It may be different in other states, but that's where we are. In California, if you are a supervisor, uh, you are someone that is allowing another person to work under your license, like a, what they call them now, associates. Uh, We used to call them MFT interns and social work interns or psych assistants, and those labels have changed over the years. But they're students that are working towards their own licensure, but they can only work under your, the license individual's license, which means that that supervisor is ultimately responsible for everything they do. Good things or bad things, the supervisor will be held liable. A consultant is one that comes in and we usually work with people that are already licensed. They have their license and we are consulting with them. We're not telling them that they must do this. In the end, the person we are consulting with 
is in charge. They must make the decision for their client that they think is in their best interest. We serve as a consultant. We can give them suggestions, but we can't mandate them to do what we tell them to do because we are not working with them under our license. We are providing them expert feedback in a particular psychotherapy. Does that make sense? And that is why I, when anytime someone asks me, I'm like, no, you, I will not supervise you because I ain't putting my license at risk. Sorry. Um, now, let's go back to CITs for a second because there is a confusion often about can I work with a CIT, a consultant in training? The answer is absolutely, absolutely yes. And oftentimes they're cheaper than the approved consultant, so be aware of that too. The rules that, again, Emdry has put out, out of that 20 hours of consultation I said you needed, 15 of those can be with a CIT. Five of them must be with an approved consultant, just letting you know that too. All right. Um, now, another question that people often ask, and Kurt, I bet you've got some things you want to say about this. How do you know you got a con good consultant? How do you choose a consultant? Well, as it is with marketing, the best kind of marketing that you do in therapy is word of mouth. Uh, you can, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing all the ads and things that, that people do today. But in the end, the the people that other people talk about are the ones that I would look for. I would want someone who had been through an MBA approved program that uh, perhaps has an expertise in an area that I'm interested in. Like if, if I'm working at addictions, I would like an approved consultant that has some expertise in addictions or dissociative disorders or anxiety disorders or in use of EMDR with couples and relational issues, things like that. And I would certainly call them and I would interview them. I would interview them just like a job. You know, you go to get a job and they think they're interviewing you, but really good uh, applicants know that they're also interviewing their potential employer whether or not I want to be here with you or not. So interview the approved consultant, find out what their uh, experience is, how they go about dealing with some of the ethical issues that may come up uh, in the working as a consultant, what their role, how they see their role being, how often they want to meet, which is an issue that, that you and I have talked about before. Uh, and that's one of the first things is word of mouth. That would be the first thing I would throw out, Michelle. All right, so let's talk about how often do you meet. Um, Kurt and I, in general, and there's exceptions to everything, of course, we say, because this is not clinical supervision, we meet with our, our consultees generally about once a month because I want them to take what the ideas we've talked about, the suggestions, the different ways of doing things, I want them to go and I want them to practice and try and see what works, see what didn't work, use what we've been talking about, absorb it, and then come back and we can talk about it. But every week, if I'm meeting every week with somebody, they're not getting time to do that. This is not a process you need to rush through. As I said when we started, EMDR therapy is a very complex therapy. So don't rush it. You got lots of time to learn. The, but one of the, yeah, go ahead. The labels uh, certified and approved consultant uh, inherently suggests a level of expertise. And that expertise comes with experience. Uh, and, you know, there are situations, what I call the worst case scenarios, where people are rushing through to get the little boxes checked off. They've had this hour, that hour, this individual hour, that group hour, 
and they do they do it they're rushing through it and what they're really doing is, is they're filling out a scorecard they aren't really learning how to play the game of golf they're not really learning how to take EMDR therapy from its basics in basic training and allowing it to evolve and develop into the art of EMDR therapy because as we say in our trainings what we're really doing in our trainings and giving you the basics but what we want to do is grow you into being an artist in EMDR therapy someone that has all those basics so rudimentarily uh, rooted in their brain that now you can look at that patient and you can become creative you can understand where they're going and that's where the real joy of doing EMDR work and where some of the videos that we've all seen over the years of the masters at work they do things and you're sitting there going how in the world did they know how to do that what did they just do I would not have thought of that well that's because they've been doing it for 15 20 years and they're they're now an artist in the mastery of EMDR therapy that takes time and like Michelle says rushing through the process you know, it may tell you how to give bold strokes on a canvas, but it doesn't tell you how to be a great artist in this work. And what we want you to do is become the artist in EMDR therapy. That's what we I'll give, push towards. I'll give you an example of a consultee I met with just about an hour ago. Um, she had gotten one of Marilyn Luber's books, which if you haven't seen them, they're a great resource. But they are a resource. They're not a Bible. And she had taken one of the scripts in one of uh, Marilyn Luber's books, and was trying to do it step by step, exactly word for word, and trying to memorize this exact sentence by sentence what she was supposed to be doing. And it wasn't working well for her client. And so we had this whole discussion of, these are ideas, these are suggestions. Now, what's going to work for your client within doing EMDR therapy the way you're supposed to do it? But these are resources. And until you understand what you're doing with the help of your consultant, you may get a little too rigid or a little bit too wild. Right. And, you know, we, we kid in our basic trainings, you know, read the scripts, read the scripts, read the scripts. And the reason we do that in basic training is that we the concepts of what needs to be uh, translated and spoken to the patients needs to be automatic. And the only way a participant is learning how to do indoor therapy is going to do that is by reading the scripts. But... You know, we laugh because the bottom line is, you know, I've been doing this 31 years and I don't read scripts anymore because I know what the concepts are and I've translated it into my my language and I also will adapt it based upon the patient. But I don't leave out the essential details. I don't leave out the parts that are most important. And when you begin basic training, you don't know what those parts or essential details are yet. And part of being certified and approved consultant is the refining of all of that so that you as that expert, that master in that therapy, knows what those essential points are and you can help teach that to someone that's just beginning to learn the process. So I want to move into how, as a consultee, you can make the best possible use of your consultation time, your certification time. One of the things that, it, you know, of course, you're going to talk to your approved consultant, see what their style is, what they want you to do. But two things I really want to say, and I, I bet Kurt will add to this. One is 
use those videotapes as often as you can. You, it, as uncomfortable as it is to take a watch a videotape and have someone else watch a videotape of you doing therapy, it is the best training you can have because it's it, that it's kind of like that in vivo. Stop. Let's talk about it. Stop. Let's look at that. It's amazing training. So I encourage, as uncomfortable it is, I encourage you to do that. And the other thing that I encourage you to do is write down your questions in that month in between and have clients prepared to present so you're making good use of your time. Kurt, what do you want to add? Well, I, to I agree 100%, 100%. I'm also sensitive to the fact that there are some of our participants and trainees out there that may work in agencies that may not have the luxury of a videotape uh, right. a vi or, may, or a recording. Uh, they could, you know, do a, a, a voice recording, a digital recording. You can do that on your phones today. Um, and, you know, in the old days, we used to do what was called choice point supervision. I like to call it choice point consultation. Is that the, you go through your recording and you come to certain places that were significant for you and you wonder, what could I have done differently? How could I have done this differently? and have it queued up for your consultant so that you can take them right there. And, you know, the reason for that is I don't want to spend an hour of consultation listening to the first 45 minutes of you talking about your day and setting up, you know, the protocol. I want to see what's happening in the reprocessing of what's being done. So that's a way of sort of short, making it shorter and more succinct and more specific. And sometimes your consultant may ask you, I want you to record or I want you to take notes of this particular part of the uh, the protocol, the treatment plan, whatever. And I want you to come back and talk to me more specifically of how you're doing it. Things like that. Um, quick question, and then I've got something that will probably take us a little bit longer. People often ask if they can have multiple approved consultants. Yes, they can. We recommend that you have spent at least five hours of uh, consultation time with your approved consultant because you're going to want them to write you a letter of recommendation by the time you finish all of this. And if I haven't spent at least five hours with you seeing your work, I can't write that letter of rec. So just throwing that out there. Um, okay, but what happens if your consultant, as you've been working with them, says, I am so sorry, you're not ready. I don't think that you are can meet that standard that we're looking for for certification. How would you handle that, Kurt? Well, <clears throat> there, there, you know, reality is that if we have to have a reason as to why we don't think they're ready, a one that's objective, not just sub subjective. Sometimes there are personality issues that come into play, and that's what needs to be avoided. And if someone I believe is not ready or sufficient, then I'm going to work with them to help to sort of do a, uh, a, a, a helping them fill in those places or helping them learn more what needs to be essential for them to become more competent in it. Uh, and then it be, does become an ethical and legal issue, uh, Michelle, you know, because they're paying us for consultation. And we as consultants have to be ethically obligated to let them know early on whether or not we think we can ultimately support their um, letter to become certified or an, or an approved consultant. So that's something I also would talk uh, to a participant, a certified EA trainee beforehand. 
Right. You don't. It's not fair on that twentieth hour to go. Yeah, I don't like you. Sorry, bummer. Right. That, that should be something that it was discussed a long time Informed ago. Informed consent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be our last topic, and then we're almost out of time. Um, of why someone should get certified, right? I did all the training. I've done all this. Why get certified? And there's a, several good reasons. One, as we've said, it's a very complex therapy. You got a lot more learning to do. Um, the another reason is, frankly, it's just marketing. If I get if I have a choice between seeing someone who's a certified EMDR therapist or a non-certified EMDR therapist, gosh, wouldn't I rather be a certified see someone who's certified? So it it does bring up your credibility as well it should. And just think back when you've got your master's or doctoral degree and where you are now and think about what you knew then versus what you knew now as more of an experienced clinician. You look back on what you may have done right after you got out of your graduate program and you shake your head and say, I didn't know anything then. And that's true with basic training. You have the basic training, but there's so much more than just that. And that's what we're hoping you will pursue. So please get trained, get certified, keep doing really good work, and keep working on healing the world. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Yes, thank you. We so appreciate your taking the time and hanging out.